My fucking podcast goes 185. I lost my podcast. Now I don't podcast except right now because this is... What is this, Mason? Oh, this is... <laughs> Let's get a little bless up for Joe Walsh going in the chat real quick. Bless up, Joe Walsh. As far as we know, he's fine, but we just want to give him a bless up. For, as far as we know, because, you know, life's been good to me so Yeah, far. you got your Trump check. I did get my Trump money. I did get my Trump check. I, I used it to pay off my credit card debt. I put some in savings, and then I'm going to buy a Nintendo Switch. Uh, and then I bought some uh, boutique Blu-rays from England, because I have a region-free Blu-ray player. Oh, wow. And all those movies, they may up on the list. Oh, it's on the list. Oh, no, you didn't. We're going live, That's folks. Segway We're- King shit. That's my <laughs> thing. I'm Segway King on the pod, but you Segway Kinged me. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, I, it was right there. I, was, I had to take it. I've just been dying to segue for the last week or uh, since this, like since the last episode came out. Shout out to our boy Jake Allenbogen for being on a special, po- very special podcast that did not bother Rocky Pajarito at all. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, shout out, shout out, shout out to Jake Allenbogen in the chat. Let's get some Fs in the chat uh, for Jake Allenbogen not pissing off Rocky. So uh, thanks to Jake for being on. But this week we have a Mason friend. We have, uh, you might remember yeah. him from um, coming up to me at a JSOM concert and introducing himself. <laughs> you might remember him from uh, watching the seri- season finale of Succession together. You might remember him from uh, Marriage Story at the Vista. You might remember him from uh, just being an... I'm remembering all, all these things right now. Cool it's all coming guy. back to Ladies me. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for this week's guest, Chris Collins. Thank you for having Woo! me. Chris, an actual fan an actual of the fan. show, like a real life fan. Yeah, I have, Chris I have actually, this. Yeah, Chris actually reached out to me and was like, "Can I be on the podcast?" And I thought, absolutely, because uh, Chris and I met right before I uh, jumped ship from Los Angeles, very briefly. But we got some good quality time in, and he's been a uh, a follower of the show since it. I, I don't know for how long. I'm not going to put words in his mouth for that, but I'm really happy that he's a. Uh, on the show this week. How you doing? How you doing, buddy? I'm di- good. Uh, I got my Trump check as well, I just realized. So oh, I'm pretty sweet. stoked. I would buy a Switch, but like I don't know where you can get them now. I think they're fucking contraband. Yeah, so. that's a good point, actually. <laughs> I was actually I was on the, uh, the inside edge on that because my birthday is like right at the start of the new year. I'm a January baby. And so I got my Switch then, knowing yeah. full well what would happen three months later, going, ah, yes, need to get in on this before uh, global pandemic <laughs> You were ensues. on top of that. When everybody was poo-pooing the severity of the situation, you were like, I don't know, guys. Seems like this is something we should be keeping our eyes off. You were selling your stocks. Uh <laughs> Literally though, my I was my dad came to visit me in uh, L.A. or he came to visit my sister and I in L.A. at the end of uh, February, and he's staying at the hotel like near where my sister goes to school, and I like go into his room like, hey, good to see you, I haven't seen you in like months, and he like I need you to sit down right now and watch this clip from CNN, and this is like oh end of God. February, and I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? And so I sit down, and I think it was Dr. Fauci, I'm not 100 percent sure, it was he was some doctor was speaking on it, and this was when things were really like escalating to an insane level in China. And he was like, this is going to happen to a certain degree in the United States. And it's like 
this is like a three mo- week, maybe a month away from actually what we're experiencing now. And he was like so ahead of He's like, we're getting you fucking <laughs> moist towelettes. We're getting you Lysol spray. We're getting you fucking <laughs> towels and shit. And I was like, all right, dad, sounds good. Thanks. And then little did I, little did I know how prescient he was in the whole situation. So bless up for, bless up for dad, dad in, the chat. in the chat. Thank you very much, dad. <laughs> but we're not here. This is not the COVID. This is not. 19 pod. This is a podcast about underrated media, movies, and music, and other miscellaneous fun things that guests and hosts like to bring on. And uh, Chris, <laughs> you got some really interesting stuff for us today. Uh, a very, a very, I would say, a fitting pair. I would, would you say so, say Mason? This, this is probably the best. Uh, this is the best, I guess, amuse bouche and main course meal. Uh, that we've had on the show so far. So, Chris, why don't you preview the album that you wanted to bring on for us, please? All right, man, this is just... So, you know, picture me. <laughs> picture me. Um, I, well, I mean, I don't know if you can picture me, because no one on this podcast knows who the fuck I am. But, like, um, yeah. there's there's a 15-year-old white boy in a, a very suburban area of nice. San Diego. You know, he's got an iPod classic. Nice. He's walking yes. around, got flannel shirts, got some jeans, because yes. you know, he loves the grunge. Oh, yeah. And he's rocking a sublime 40 ounces yep. of freedom shirt. Yeah. He doesn't know what the oh. heck a 40 ounce is. But he's just listening to, like, what I got walking around, snapping his fingers, you know, happy as heck, like, just vibing. And I just remember, you know, my favorite anecdote related to this is, you know, I'm wearing my sublime shirts and flannels around all the time, and two of my older sophomore friends pulled me out of class and like, Chris, 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 we got to know. I'm like, what? It's like, do you smoke weed? <laughs> uh, yes. Like, no. <laughs> this is, that's just the most most oblivious thing I ever done was like, just be like, you know, a gawky music loving teenager, um, and just proudly wearing my sublime love flag out and about. You know, it's just so. Anyway, this is this is a segue to say the album I'm bringing is uh, Sublime's self titled 1996 album, uh, not the deluxe edition, nice. um, unfortunately, but. That really just has a bunch of remixes, and this is already this is an interminably long album. Yeah, I I, this say. is an almost an hour long album, and for and <laughs> for just a collection of songs, I don't want to get into too much, but just for a collection of songs, it was kind of like it, at some point when I was listening to this, I was just like, oh, this thing just keeps going, doesn't it? Because I never listened to it oh, all man. the way all the way through. But uh, for uh, Sublime, Sublime, everybody, the posthumous release, technically. Uh, uh, what I got, uh, yeah, Noah, do you yes. have any association with Sublime? What's your, yeah, what's your, I, uh, yeah. I, you know, uh, I, I had heard this album before actually, believe it or not. I had gone through all the way, uh, and you know, you ultimately end up, I think, sticking with the stuff that you like, obviously on re-listens and, uh, it was nice to hear things that I don't always listen to again, but I forgot that what I got Santeria and uh, Do In Time are all on this album. And it's kind of crazy to think that because those are all like such iconic sublime tracks um, for a band that really didn't have a very long life, to be honest with you. Maybe that's a poor choice of words, but sorry, folks. (laughs) Uh, But the band really didn't stick together uh, for that long, unfortunately, due to the uh, untimely passing of uh, Bradley Noel. Uh, But for what they were able to do while they were around, I think is really impressive. 
because we're still talking about them on this podcast. And there is definitely a legion of people out there who live and die by this type of music. And I think for those yeah. type of people, Sublime is one of the Mount Rushmore bands. I really do think that. Is that, Chris, is that you know fair to say? You seem like the kind of guy who this is kind of your Mount Rushmore type I mean, stuff. you're the only you're the only real deal Cali boy in this, in this chat right now. So you're the only one that could speak to Sublime. I, I mean, it's like... Just the weird thing is like I don't. It, it's such a weird space. Like ska, kind of stuff. Like whatever the vaguely like ska. There's like there's like fun ska that like nerds and just people who like to have fun listen to. And then there's like the stoner ska, which is like three eleven and other stuff. Like there's different tribes of white people ska posting right. in Southern California. Yeah. But you know, I, I think just personally for me, it's just an album that like I listen to. And I'm like, um. Oh, you think about it and you're like, oh, I'm too pretentious. And then you like slowly, you're like, all right, Garden Grove is a pretty good song. You know, like, I don't have anything that's due in time. You're like, I can think this is unironically good. And then, like, eventually I just kind of reach the point of admitting that, like, no, I, I still think this album's like, super duper fun. So I'm not, like, a massive Sublime poster, like, stoner SoCal boy. But I think the main thing is, like, you know, you mentioned, like, um, Due in Time is one of the big songs, What I Got, and then Santeria. But it's, like, half... There are a bunch of other songs that if you if you grew up in SoCal, like they'll play half this album on the radio, oh, I'm even sure. like the non-singles, like like just I think Jailhouse you'll hear on the radio, Wrong Way, even Same in the End, like like seven or eight of these songs you'll hear on the radio, even like just you know non-single cuts, which is crazy. So you hear this album all the time for sure. And I think a lot it, of people just love the band, and I think it's interesting what you brought up is that this is a uh, this is a genre of music that. Much like things like Vaporwave, it's real easy to shit on something like this and not take it seriously. And there's a couple different reasons I think that this kind of music gets shit on. And I think if we're I'm going to break it down for you real quick. Everybody take out (laughs) Mason. Take out your fucking notebook. Okay, ready? Yeah, dude, I got it right here. I know. Mason. Mason's notebook, which is the worst and best bit that we do on this show is Mason's notebook. (laughs) Um, But I think there's like three real main reasons why Ska gets shit on. One, I think, actually does have to do with sometimes the instrument choices that you will hear. You hear some horns. You hear just things that you wouldn't normally hear get played on the radio. And I think people think that it's sort of either like lame or just like like not doesn't sound good and i think that's part of the reason why ska can get shit on sometimes i think sometimes ska has the tendency just within the content of its contents of its lyrics to sound a little bit silly which i don't think this album is exempt from but i think that nonetheless it's still effective and then i think the third reason uh is because of some of the types of people who uh, get drawn to music like this. It's a little bit of a guilt by association, which I am uh, privy to being a huge Family Guy fan, which is well <laughs> documented on this show. That's a, that's a little bit of a different story for a different podcast. But uh, I think those are the three like real main reasons why I think ska can sometimes get a bad rap. Uh, but when you have bands and albums like Sublime Sublime or even you know Robin the Hood, which has some awesome tracks on it as well, it's unfair. You realize how unfair of a rap it can get because there's some really awesome bands and songs to come out of this, uh, come out of this movement or I guess genre. Um, Mason, do you have a like history with ska at all? Uh, not terribly. I mean, like, I think you're, you're right on your read on it, on the genre and people's various kind of reactions. I think it's a very, it's an, it's a genre that you that one can feel it's very easy to feel elevated 
uh, uh, towards it, you know, like you're better than it. And it's kind of, I think the guilt by association thing that you're talking about that you want to like, be like, Oh, I'm not like those losers that are, uh, fucking what's, what's the dancing called that, that skank. Everyone gets the, skank. Thank you. You're not like a skank. You're not wearing like three different kinds of like plaid patterns or whatever. And listen to the, this, the, the, the horn music, but like, man, when I was a kid, like, I want to say, like, fifth or sixth grade, I heard the song, uh, Keys Be Nights by, I think, Streetlight Manifesto. Sure. Uh, and that's just, like, a real, like, um, that's a real pretty good song, I would say. It's, it's the energy of That's a real pretty good song, Mason McGuire. That's a real pretty good song. Continue. Uh, but when the, when the, when the, the, the thing that, uh, is so attractive about Sky, I think it's just, like, the, the constant up energy. Totally. Even though the lyrics are very, um are very uh, 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 goofy sometimes, and the um, the scene kind of seems like both um, drenched in and immune to irony at the same time, if that makes sense, you know? Um, and I don't... Th- I'd listen to Sublime when, like, kind of same as Chris, same, like, kind of age as Chris, did not ever wear a Sublime shirt, just kind of had the music in my head, uh, specifically Santeria and what I got, because it is just, like... Like when you're like a freshman in high school or whatever, you just like really just kind of vibe with it, and it's easy music to vibe with, even if you don't know what exactly they're talking about. Like, um, even if you like aren't gonna go down the street with like a cigarette, and uh, you can find the reason reason things went wrong, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, the reason things went wrong is because the fucking girls won't talk to me, man. You know, you weren't doing uh, that. No, well, I was. I mean, <laughs> you, you weren't um, doing it with your with your forty ounce outside of the school trying to pop ollies off the bike rack. That wasn't you, dude. That- no, nah, dude, I was a speech. I was a speech theater and band kid. Like that is where my energy. So was also in the high other school. crowd for sublime. <laughs> yes, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like just listening to this whole album for the first time, basically, it was like. Yeah, it is kind of exhausting with how much the energy is up all the time, but it's also just, like, kind of undeniably just, like, fun music, um, I would think, and I, I would say. And I think just my, my other section at this... The other thing I want to say um, before I get too far is that um, the song Caress Me Down is actually the least sexy song ever written. Wow. When I was listening to it yes. for a, a second time, I uh, skipped that one, listening to the album the whole time, because sec- I wanted to get to the What I Got reprise and Do In Time, because those are two good songs. Can um, we but, can we touch but, on that? Yes, yeah, yeah, that that's, that's... I mean, that's the kind of thing. It's like, I think a lot of songs... There are very few songs that are like, you know, if you're trying to be in the mood, trying to feel sexy, like, there are very few songs I feel like deliberately that are like about that kind of vibe and like that you could put on like unironically. And yeah. like, especially, especially Caress Me Down. Like, there's no, there's no unironic mood unless you're just like a total like brain dead stoner <laughs> where that will be like a fun, sexy song for you. I feel like I don't. I don't know what the appropriate venue for that song ever would be. Uh, Mucho gusto, me llamo Bradley. I'm hornier than Ron Jeremy. And if you want to get popped on your knee, just wipe that look off your bocce face. You hate me because I got what you need. 
a pretty little daughter that we call Mexi. If you, if you, ugh, I can't finish. You know, I, I, I so actually bad. leave bass in a voicemail every night with that, with those <laughs> lyrics just scraped to the bottom of it. And then I say, you need to be paying me child support, asshole. Um, but the, there is a, there is a good amount, according to the uh, Wikipedia article of covered tracks on here that you might not know are covered tracks. And I'm just going to go through those real quick and we can touch That's on the other them thing each. I want to talk about, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So apparently Pawn Shop is a cover of War Around a John Shop by the Wailing Souls with modified lyrics. Are any of you familiar with that original? You cannot have said that any more. You cannot have said that any more Caucasianally. Whatever you just. <laughs> Honestly, kind of a win for me on that one, I guess. Um, but uh, is anyone familiar with the original of that one at all? No, no, no. Chris? I'm not. I think, I think Caress Me Down is also a cover of something that's like a UB40 song, but I don't know that particular cover no this at least according to the uh the wikipedia uh article it's it's not considered a cover they did put it under the borrowed elements section of the baseline features the famous slang tang rhythm of wayne smith's 1985 song under me slang tang and lyrics and melody are primarily from the 1980s 12 inch single caress me down oh so they they borrowed how is that not a cover then? If they, if the lyrics and melody are yeah. primarily from the '80s, 12-inch single "Crest Me Down" by Clement Irie, Ire, why would I? I hate that. That fucking sucks. Fuck you, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> the "What I Got" song, the the "What I Got" song, "What I Got" is based on Half Pints "Loving" and features a similar melody to the Beatles' "Lady Madonna." Oh, I guess that's true. I never I thought about that. that. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess that's. That's fucking crazy, a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, that is one of my favorite tracks on this album. It might be my favorite track on the album, What I Got. There's nothing really cringy about What I Got, I think, is the main point. That's that's the biggest upside. It's a banger, and then, like, I don't have to think, like, I don't have to think about What I Got. I can, like, listen to it halfway consciously and be like, yeah, all right, this is a good song. Totally. Like, no, no double think. And for me, at least, I don't know about you, but Santeria was the first Sublime song that I ever heard. And so once you kind of get once you sort of work your way through your Santeria phase, I'm like, well, what else does this band have to offer? And what I got is an awesome next song to find out from these guys about. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I remember playing uh, well, real guitar and then Guitar Hero playing Santeria on both of those. Damn, yeah, just... dude. Yeah, dude. I remember I had the uh, I will sometimes just and I didn't realize I will sometimes have the uh, guitar solo from Santeria just like pop into my head, just like that last kind of like I like that's so out of tune, but you you know that part will just pop into my head from time to time, and I think it's because I ruined my brain playing that song on Guitar Hero and listening to this at a very formidable age. So I'll just be going around my life, and that'll just pop into my head. That is like, uh, and that's also that's one of the only songs on this album that does not have. It's not. Uh, a borrowed element or a covered song according to wikipedia so it's a brand uh, new banger it's it's completely its own i i have a similar thread on that guitar hero thing uh i'm about to throw you guys back to the uh beautiful year of 2005 uh do you guys remember 2000 2000 2005 what is that (laughs) It's 1985 by Bowling for Soup, but about the the year 2005. Gotcha. We got two weird owls on the pod, you and me both. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, do you guys remember the game SingStar for PlayStation 2? I've watched a YouTuber play it. Okay. That counts. That counts. 
Mason, any remembrance of SingStar? Maybe is was that just like you had the microphone and you would sing and it, there would be you. That's what it was. Let me look this up. Yeah, maybe my cousins had that game. It was was that a cousin Luke game? That was not a cousin Luke game. That was a uh, my cousin Allison game. Classic. Uh, I don't think she had this one. She had a different singing game actually. So this was yeah, this was the singing element of uh, Rock Band before Rock Band brought everything together and let you do drums, guitar, and singing. And so. I had this. I went out with my own money that I made as, you know, a little kid or however I did, you know, doing chores around the house or whatever or birthday money or whatever. I went out and I bought the SingStar game for the PS2, maybe not in 2005, but sometime in the mid to late 2000s. And I remember getting it and being like, oh, they have Santeria? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I'm about to <laughs> I'm about to blow the roof off my dad's house in Beaverton, Oregon, <laughs> singing Santeria. So I pop it on. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And they have the music video playing. And I can't, like, line up my voice with any of where it wants me to hit. And I'm like, but I'm singing it so well. And I'm getting pissed off. And I don't think I ever played the game ever again. I think I fucking packed it away. Chris, what were your go-to tracks on Guitar Hero or any kind of similar, like, rhythm game, if that oh, was man. your move back then? I So the only one I played extensively were, <coughs> were uh, there was a world tour. And then there's um, there's the there's the other one, Legends, like the third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third, the third one. Oh yeah, um, I had that one. I'm trying to remember. I play the smashing the one with the band thing. I play a lot of Smashing Pumpkins tracks because well, I could actually sing the Billy Corgan parts, uh, which is and it's also yeah, fun dude. to sing like Billy Corgan because he's just fucking, it's fun. World is a vampire, you know, like what I mean, like. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, no, I remember I remember going to Dave and Buster's on my birthday like about a month back and I was just so jazzed that they had like the shitty arcade version. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, Knights of Sidonia. Knights of Sidonia oh, wow. is yeah, that's by the far one. the best gaming experience ever. Like playing Knights of Sidonia on Guitar Hero, like the actual guitar is like not you don't feel nearly as sick playing it, but like playing it on Guitar Hero, you just feel like the sickest dude ever. Dude, that's a song <laughs> I literally haven't thought about in probably close to ten years. So thank you, Chef. Oh, it's so yeah, good. Do we have it's to so pay good. Josh Hom now? Like, is that how that works? Like, do we have to send a little money to the Queens of the Stone Age? Dude, Knights yes. of Sidonia's Muse, isn't it? Oh, is that Muse? It, it is, but I feel like I feel <laughs> we can like still that's send like money to Josh. <laughs> yeah, like, those, dude, those two bands get so mixed up, mixed up in my mind of just like bands I thought was like the, like the most rock and shit when I was like fourteen, and anytime that I meet like an adult that are in, that's into either of those bands, I'm like, what is going on with you? You know, there's other music, right? Like you can listen to. Yeah, you should check out like, MGMT. Was it a Cardi B? Like why? Like I I like I like uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Like the songs for the deaf is like a pretty solid album. It is. I that's true. I don't I don't quite get like being like all about every one of their albums i remember i remember like watching some musician interview and be like man like every queens of the stone age album just mess uh, every every track on it's so great man i'm like that's not an opinion i don't think i don't think anyone has that opinion like <laughs> there's like there are a couple like really good albums there's a lot of albums that are like solid that you can listen to but i don't think anyone just has like a unified like i love every single queens of the stone age song and it's the same thing for muse like muse has a few good songs a couple okay albums but it's like i don't think anyone just loves literally every muse song i will it's i will so- say there there the, the song madness by muse has a awesome guitar solo when you're like 13 oh, yeah. years old and listening to it with your dad and he goes <laughs> isn't that a good guitar solo and i go uh yeah that's a great guitar solo because i don't fucking, <laughs> I don't fucking know. but then i did listen to it again and honestly pretty good guitar solo 
Speak, so speaking of guitar solos, you know, like, Santeria is such a great guitar song. Oh, and, like, fucking Segway King. Guest is ooh, a Segway, Segway King. King. But, like, I don't know if anyone remembers, like, Under My Voodoo. Yes, that, yeah, that, dude, is, that was one of the ones what, I wanted to talk about. Yeah. What a, what a mess. <laughs> what a mess. What an un- I kind of like that song, actually. It, it is, but it's like, there's like, I think this is the one I'm thinking of. Like, it's just kind of like the way the vocals are mixed so loud. Everything's mixed so loudly all at once without any sort of real mixing in any direction. Yeah. It's just kind of like a lot going on at once. They're really trying to do some kind of like Hendrixy, like psychedelic yeah. song, like just out of nowhere. Um, I don't think it's like so uh, incongruous or like sticks out so much. Uh, it was one of my favorites actually listening to really? it. Again. I was like, really? oh, I kind of like this. Yeah, I like a little little psychedelic. I, kind I of actually stuff. believe it or not, I'm about to agree with Mason. Believe it or not, I yeah. I Damn. actually loved listening to this on the re-listen too. Like like I said, it's been a long time since I've heard this album all the way through. Definitely at least since high school. Um, and this was one of those that I pretty much had com- forgotten about completely. Uh, and I was glad to hear it again because I was like, oh yeah, this is a good little song. This is, this is one of those that I'm going to put on the, on the re-list. And, you know, there's like that thing going around right now where it's like four albums, uh, all songs, no skips or whatever it is. This album for me is like one album, bunch of skips, like four songs <laughs> that I'm, I'm going to come back to, but I still really like that's, that's this album yeah. for me. That's I think it's yeah, amazing. exactly. I agree with that sentiment completely. Definitely. So, I mean, do we? Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about? Any other tracks that stood out? I think we covered like the hits. I really liked "Wrong Way" a lot. I re- that's just such a fun. Oh man, uh, that song rocks. It's got such a good oh, uh, energy. A really fun. Uh, just kind of mischievous. Uh, just just getting in trouble kind of track. It sounds like it belongs on like like Crazy Taxi or whatever, you know? Like, that's a, the vibe I Does get Does anyone have that. opinions on a Same in the End? Because that's, like, that's one of my favorite songs and on this album, and it's just kind of, like, unnecessarily crass and stupid because it's sublime, but it's, like... Yeah. I mean, that that's the same kind of vibe I get from Wrong Way. You know, like, both of those songs, it's just, like, you listen to it, yeah. you're like, God damn it, Bradley. But, like, it's also just so dang fun. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I I don't have any specific thought about Sam in the end just because I was like, honestly, the first time I was listening to it, I wasn't paying attention to the uh, the track listing. So I thought Wrong Way and Sam in the end were like one big, long song. That's kind of how they are in my mind. That's I, I wish I had that mindset. That would be that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> it ain't uh, hard no, to understand other... this ain't hitler's master plan what it takes to be a man in my mind in my brain i roll it over like a steaming freight train it ain't hard to ascertain back up y'all it ain't me kentucky fried chicken is all i see it's a hellified way to start your day if you make you if i make you cry all night me and daddy gonna have a fist fight it ain't personal it ain't a... me that's the fucking reason people don't yes. like ska that is the fucking is reason people stupid... don't like ska in one it's song it, it's so it's so stupid like that's the thing is you really have to be like a juvenile boy to appreciate this music for the most part i think after i've been currently or at one point um and since i was you know like i'm gonna give this a recommend like i didn't think i was gonna i really was fighting myself against it because i'm like time has passed to what time has passed by sublime uh and i think it has i don't know if you should come into this album for the first time but if you're itching to get back into sublime for whatever reason need some of those cali vibes baby <laughs> then this is a good album to listen to um 
I don't know. Mason, I think this put is your a, cigarette a somewhat out. What are you doing? Me. Put your cigarette out while you're saying that. Come on. Uh, no, this I think that's I think that's fair. I think I think yeah. that's fair. There there are uh, some I if you want to call them ska bands that I still will find one or two tracks of myself listening to, such as are you guys familiar with uh, Real Big Fish, the funniest <laughs> band of all time? Chris, yeah, I have, you like I have Real a Big Fish. Very into like pop ska kind of stuff. Um, so I'm I am familiar. I sure. don't have checkered bands, but like I've been listening to a lot of like. Early, early punk ska <laughs> kind of stuff is what I've been getting into recently. That kind of led me back to Sublime, so I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I love like Brit, like British ska, like the English Speed or the Specials. Like those are just the two, the two big ones from that period. But like, man, the uh, Save It for Later by the English Speed is one of the greatest songs of ever of all time. And it, what's the song? It's in fucking Ferris Bueller. Um, that's an, also an English Beat song. But like, yeah. That's my thoughts. That's my last thought on Scott. Well, I think that'll be the last. We, we have, we also, the, so there's the song um, Beer by Real Big Fish. And for the heads out there, okay, the real heads. Uh, yeah. There is a live version off an album. Fuck, now I got to figure out what album this is. Hold on. We got Real Big, yeah, here we go. Real Big Fish <laughs> off their live album. Uh, damn. All right, just cut all this out. Okay, so off the live album, our live album is better than your live album from 2006. Uh, they do the song Beer. Uh, I don't know where exactly in the track listing it is. It's like maybe halfway through. Uh, but the singer of Real Big Fish, the lead singer, starts out the song because it was, you know, like, you know, doing a little banter with the crowd between songs. And he's like, how's everybody doing tonight? And like five people are in the crowd. So they're like, yes, good. And so then he's like, at our last show when we played here, it was like having sex with a dead body. And everybody in the crowd goes, boo, all five people. <laughs> and then he's like, but this time, everybody, it was like having sex with an unconscious body. And everybody <laughs> oh, and everybody oh. in the crowd was like, oh, you're so funny. Ah. And so then he, they like, you know, you can hear the bass like tuning itself or he's tuning the bass real quick. He's like, anyway, I hate this song and I hate all of you. And then the riff starts playing. <laughs> and then over the riff, as like they're getting into the song, you just hear him very quietly go, just kidding. I don't hate this song. And then he starts singing the song and I'm like, damn, bro, that's fucking crazy. That is, even as a kid, like hearing that song for the first time, I was like, this guy's fucking crazy. Uh, I conditional recommend this album. <laughs> yeah. Chris, what's Chris, do you recommend yeah, this album? Chris. I mean, I think it's kind of like if you're the kind of person who's at the point in your life where you can have like, not just problematic faves, but like you, you can you can admit like <laughs> you know fuck it like <laughs> if you're at a yolo kind of point in your life where like you're, you don't have you have you have a minimal amount of shame <laughs> to rock your sublime flag like you know guilty pleasure or not guilty pleasure there is some sublime for everybody that is the good yeah, news. that's hundred percent hundred percent you don't believe self- that you're lying. Sublime, Sublime, an album for the YOLO part of your life. Chris Collins, it's on the list podcast. That's the tagline right there. We love that. <laughs> we do love that. Oh, boy. And now to uh, pivot from one very um, mature uh, piece of work to another equally... Uh, sophisticated. Sophisticated, tasteful... Um, <clears throat> A bit of, of, I believe that the kids are calling it Kino nowadays. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, some uh, of these Kinema. kids are calling it Kino. Some of them are calling it a movie, Mason. <laughs> Chris, uh, you also brought on the movie this week. Why don't you get us started for uh, for what you brought on? <laughs> I mean, if you really insist, I guess. Uh, um, <laughs> so this is a film directed by an esteemed alumnus of my um, undergraduate program, University of California, San Diego. Really? Uh, the one in... Yeah, the, yeah, Mike Judge, the one and only Mike Judge, uh, went to UCSD and studied physics, which is just great. And he also worked in software. Wow. That makes um, so much sense. And then he made a short called Frog Baseball, which was turned into the seminal hit animated uh, television show, Beavis and Butthead. Have you guys seen Frog Baseball, perchance? I have not. Yes. Yeah, I have too. It's... Uh, a little bit. I think it's better than the fucking whatever. But you know, we can get it. We can get into that. We can get into that. Frog baseball, crazy that it's what it is and what it turned into. But continue, Chris. So he's at UCSD and he gets the chance to do uh, Beavis and Butthead through frog baseball. Yeah, that's 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 a story. And then they made a movie of it. And we're talking about the movie Beavis and Butthead Do America, which is woo. It's it's a very, you know, I mean. I don't, I don't know what I don't know if there's a say about it. It's a Beavis and Butthead movie, like without without them like reviewing and shouting at the TV. But I I enjoyed it a lot, um, at least when they're on the screen. It kind of loses the plot when they leave the screen a bit. But um, you can only, say that. It, that's a way. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can say that. Yeah. Unlike unlike Sublime Sublime, they're well, they're both about the same length, like you know, a little over an hour. But this doesn't feel. You know, it's a little overly long, but not to the extent Sublime Sublimes is. You know, I felt like I can ma- I can make you know Na- Mason and Noah watch uh, Beavis and Butthead do America and not feel guilty about like making them sit through it. Yeah, so. I had enough time. Like, I did not get a chance this week. I was very busy just with like work and just like kind of general uh, quarantine stress, and so I kind of put off watching this movie for the until the very last minute. Uh, and I was so happy that it was an hour and 20 minutes and I had enough time to like kind of have a dinner and watch a couple episodes of Frasier with my family and then watch this movie like right before we recorded. I'm glad the thing that I do podcasting that I enjoy is convenient for my schedule and that I can fit in my other interests around it. Uh, yeah, dude. Chris, which would you say Mason and I, which one would you say we are? Who would you say is Beavis and who would you say is Butthead in this scenario? I'm so glad you asked this. I oh, was man. so curious, but I didn't want to ask. That's uh, See, the problem is, is like you'd have to know who's like it's like beavis is a certain type of idiot where it's like i don't think they're necessarily different but like butthead's vastly more level-headed like i am 100 percent a beavis like i am if, you if think I, you're a beavis no but in my close friendships like I, I make friends with like even more level-headed smarter people and i'll say like some gotcha. uninformed dumb shit and they're like no dumbass i'm like ah, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the dynamic i have with like most of the close friends i make like so you know, I don't know. I think I think you have to know who's like the one that'll just spout some bullshit, and the other one who's like the calm, cool, and collected one. I guess we're kind I mean, of both I don't... Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, Mason. yeah I think yeah, that we're some both... people are both. But <laughs> that's the uh, God. I mean, that's the thing. I have no real familiarity with the Beavis and Butthead TV show. This is kind of like my first, and like other than just like clips, and it's like kind of by reputation as this thing that kind of destroyed America apparently because it was on MTV. Um. But uh, watching this movie, that was my impression, too, which is just, like, these guys are both two of the dumbest cartoon characters to ever live. 
uh, or to ever be created. And it's just so remarkable that Beavis is like just that much dumber than Butthead. And Butthead oh, yeah. is like kind of like they're both like creatures driven purely by id and impulse. And but Butthead has a little more like kind of uh, uh, tact, I want to say. Oh. Whereas like can kind of read the room a little easier, which I think is just such a great comic dynamic the best the best bit about this is um like i think mike judge was interviewed about this and he's like yeah beavis is kind of hopeless i don't really know what he's gonna do i, I forget <laughs> what he said beavis was gonna do with his life but like so yeah but like, i could be like a manager somewhere at an office or like a fast food restaurant you know but like i don't know about i don't know about uh beavis so it's like you know that's that's what i feel about butthead too it's like there's some sort of pretty solid at something in his life once he's given enough life experience beavis is just like a pure like you know whirling dervish of <laughs> it and like craziness so i don't know so chris were you were you at all a fan of the show before oh, yeah. the, this like but were you a fan of the show or were you just like watching this happen to be watching this movie one day it just threw itself in the dvd player i like i mean the thing i don't know how i got into beavis and bud i was into daria first because like sure you know, cool people Cool people are into Daria, yeah. and I'm like, you know, like, oh, women like Daria. I should, I should love Daria. <laughs> yes, so women like, love Daria. <laughs> score. You heard it here We're first. Score. <laughs> like, um, but it's like a major, major synth move. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, no, Daria's, Daria's a pretty good show. Entirely different energy. I have no idea how, like, that started as a spinoff of this, because they're, like, such polar opposite energy. Um, it is kind of the Frasier and Cheers of yes, MTV yes. cartoons. I yes. like that, Mace. I like that. It's kind of like when you find out that like uh, the Manfred Man Blinded by the Light is actually a cover. You're like, what? That's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. Of a Springsteen song too. Was, uh, it, was it a cover? Or did you just write it? I forget. I think you no, wrote it's it. No, it's a full on cover. The original. Wow. Yeah, the original is on uh, Greetings from Ashbury Park, New Jersey, and I think. Uh, I thought I knew the boss. Yeah, <laughs> you do actually. I've been listening to a lot of Bruce recently. He's been getting me through quarantine, but uh, I keep Bruce. on going on on Beavis and Butthead in your life. Yeah, I mean, I forget when I exactly got into Beavis and Butthead. I know it's one of those things where you'll see clips on YouTube. I think it's mainly because it was like on Hulu. And like the worst thing to say is like you don't want to watch this on Hulu. You want to watch it with the music video, like just yet them yelling on the TV, which that exists. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, it exists on the internet. Um, I don't want it to get like copyright stricken because obvious reasons and it's the best part of the show um but they're they're like they have all the videos of them like you know yelling at the tv and like doing their you know they call it idiot savant criticism out there and that's the best part of the show it's like the episodes are fine by themselves but like once you kind of like weave in their criticism it's pretty good but so i watched it on hulu without the best part which is like all their criticism and i still Damn. Kind of enjoyed it which is crazy wow. i don't know how i did that it was it's mind-blowing to me but <laughs> Yeah, um, no, I'm a pretty big fan of this show. Um, from the final show for my band I was in in college, um, our bassist was really into Beavis and Button and the whole Daria universe too. So I dressed, I had a Metallica t shirt like that. She ordered us a Metallica t shirt. Um, my drummer had the ACDC t shirt. Nice. And we had the matching shorts too. And then she dressed up like Daria. Oh, hell yeah. So that's pretty cool. Was, that's really yeah. cool, dude. So that's, that's like, a, that's a crowning achievement in my life right there. I'd say. In addition to um, this, not only this, but are you a Mike Judge stan, as the kids are saying? Are you a fan of his work overall? <laughs> oh, man. So I have to, I have to do minor tangent. So he's like, so I watched him on Howard Stern. I'm like, all right, that's like a quirky 90s thing. And I watched him on uh, Alex Jones. Like, he went on on he Alex Jones's show. 
Alex Jones is like way more normal back in like what 2005. I mean, for Alex Jones, yeah, he's like still crazy deep state stuff. But like, he was on an Alex Jones interview from like 2005, and I watched pretty much the whole thing. And he kind of like went on that like, like massive like anti-state. Like he's basically Alan Moore, but like libertarian. So like, oh yeah, he's man, just, like is yeah. Alan, Alan Moore like he did you know for those that don't know like did Watchmen and stuff like that and just hates everything because he got massively screwed by the terrible comics industry. Yeah, he's and a straight like, up anarchist. Yeah, like because, he's like he yeah. yeah he's a straight on fuck the state kind of guy. Which but is in like the, on like the left and like the left end of things. And yeah, I do like judges on the kind of the other spectrum. It's almost. it's he, he seems kind of centrist about it. He just like hates authority because he got really screwed with Beavis and Butthead too. But like it was just kind of like one of those things where he's like, I hate authority because MTV screwed me, and like this is my political stance now. And I'm like, and he's on Alex Jones, which is just so yeah. surreal. Such a surreal intersection of, like... Well, like, yeah, and, like, wow. you watch, like, um, you watch, uh, like, I haven't seen Idiocracy, but everything that I can kind of glean about that movie kind of suggests that he has a bit of a, a, a weird, like, kind of oh, yeah. attitude about some things. But, like, you watch Office Space, and that is, like, one of, the, like, the greatest, like, kind of mid-thousand, like, early 2000s, like, kind of just satires. Like, not even on just, like, corporate culture, just, like, satires, period. Um... And, uh, like, I fucking love, like, King of the Hill. King of the Hill is, like, one of my go-to oh, like, man, yeah. comfort shows. Like, on, when it's on – I was watching it a lot on Hulu when I was still in L.A. That was, like, kind of my come home from work or just come home from a day and just put on something in the background. I just started that. Yeah, I mean, like, this thing was that's what's, like – that's such a great show because it's so um, well-observed. Uh, it's such a well-observed show about, like, that. And you can um, you can see the roots of King of the Hill in the Beavis and Butthead film, and from what I can glean, well, yeah. oh, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, I mean, not really, because he's like in the Beavis and Butthead show. He's like an army vet, and like he hangs out at the VA and stuff. And they're like, he's always just like. Beavis and Butthead are doing chores with him, and that's, like, half the episodes in the show are just, like, them pissing him off. But, like, so it's a little it's a little different. It's more, like, retired Vietnam vet kind of, like, Texas posting. Um, but, <laughs> you gotta just throw posting on the end of it whenever you can. I, yeah, I respect exactly, that. Exactly, really, really, you know? But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the seeds are there, for sure. I, uh, it's interesting that you, uh, that you picked this movie of any of the Mike judges, because I actually think any movie that Mike judge has directed could go on this podcast and like no one would bat an eyelash. Um, just to give a little bit of my background on Mike judge, uh, just as a guy, I remember watching office space, like probably pretty young, like younger than I should have, but just thinking like, Oh, like the, it's one of those posters that like was burned into my brain as a kid. Dude, that's a great, that's an all time great poster. It's so good. And I just remember like walking down the aisles of, you know, blockbuster and Hollywood video being, you know, a kid and being like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, is this a movie that adults like, like, why is why is this a movie that like people love? Dude, right? And so I well, pretty much, and so I remember like renting it or whatever one day. I was probably in middle school. I was probably in eighth grade, watching it and thinking, "This fucking sucks." Like this is such a bad movie. <laughs> Just hating it. Then you know, and basically carrying that thought in my life, you know, from here on out, until I watched it again in late high school and was like, "This is the shit. This movie fucking rocks. I love this movie." 
not knowing that he was responsible for King of the Hill, not knowing that he was responsible for Beavis and Butthead, not knowing that he was the same guy responsible for Silicon Valley, actually, believe it or not. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot that. And it's very strange because every other Mike Judge project I have insane mixed feelings about. I used to be a big downer on King of the Hill. I used to really not like King of the Hill very much because uh, as, as, as is very well documented, as Mason likes to say on this podcast, I'm a bit of an adult animation freak, as they say. Uh, and I would always rather watch The Simpsons or Family Guy. And even when I got old enough and my parents let me, I would rather watch South Park than King of the Hill. I just did not find King of the Hill funny at all. Sure. But as I've gotten older... I won't say that I like am laughing about King of the Hill in the same way that I'm laughing at the other ones, but I really do appreciate what it is. It is a very uh, sweet, very genuine show, which is very interesting for yeah. adult animation. Because I would not, wouldn't necessarily call uh, Family Guy or South Park sweet at all. And The Simpsons at times can be sweet. Definitely those early seasons are very sweet. But the, the King of the Hill really does kind of scratch an itch that very little or very few other adult animated shows do. And when you brought this on, this is very, very uncharted territory for me, Chris. Um, and I'm just I'm actually going to break protocol here a little bit. I'm actually going to say right off the bat, uh, I do not recommend Beavis and Butthead to America. <laughs> I don't recommend that anybody Damn. watch it at all. But uh, I don't want that to be my stance on what I'm going to say on the pod. So I'm actually doing something I've never done before on this podcast. Oh boy. I'm bringing, Oh, we love I'm this. bringing Roger Ebert into the conversation for, a, <laughs> for Beavis and Butthead do America. And I have two sort of longer quotes that I want to read off about what Roger Ebert wrote do it. in his review. And by the way, he gave this movie three out of four stars. Just let's keep that in mind. He wasn't a hater for Beavis and Butthead or Beavis and Butthead do America. Listen, man, Roger Ebert was a trash goblin sometimes. He loved to see himself. He loved to just... <laughs> the kind of middle-of-the-road fair. He loves... He's a little raccoon, as they say. <laughs> um, but this, so this is... This, this, is this, par- this quote is at the beginning of his, uh, of his review. It says, It would be easy to attack Beavis and Butthead as ignorant, vulgar, depraved, repuls- rep- repulsive slobs. Of course they are. But that would miss the point, which is that Mike Judge's characters reflect parts of the society that produced them. To study Beavis and Butthead <laughs> is to learn about a culture of narcissism, alienation, functional illiteracy, instant gratification, and television zombiehood. Those who deplore Beavis and Butthead are confusing the messengers with the message, which is maybe the most like eloquent, well-written way to say of get over yourself <laughs> and like Beavis and Butthead. Well, that's uh. what I think is so fascinating about this movie is this movie like – I think we're too young to be there to have been there all too young to have been there firsthand and have firsthand experience with this. But I understand just from like my culture, the cultural osmosis of just like kind of growing up and just reading anything about anything is that like this, this, this stupid, stupid show caused about two dumbasses watching music videos on MTV and playing frog baseball. Cause such a ruckus in the kind of like, in in the like the post soviet like the kind of post cold war end of history uh neoliberal hellscape of the 90s that there was just like so like just the weird kind of cultural conservatism of that era um 
made anything that wasn't like kind of uh, immediately comforting was like really suspect and dangerous, especially with Beavis and Butthead. And what I love about this movie is this: this movie is about them as the most um, these two <coughs> idiots, these two dumbasses, these just two like literally they they go on an adventure because somebody stole their TV. Like, they, they want their TV and they want to score. That's all that these guys want to do. And they get mixed up in, like, an, a conspiracy with the ATF. And they don't even know that um, they want to score them. until someone's like, you get to score. Then it's like, oh, it's on my radar. It's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have exactly. sex. But, but the point that I want to make is that, like, the, the, the thing about this movie that I think is the, the kind of subtext of it is, like why are you guys so um afraid of these two idiots like no i don't think anybody wants to be like them it's it's their reflections of culture at that time of a certain type of like kind of uh uh culture of a certain type of like kind of teenage kind of subgroup at the time they're nothing to be afraid of um and they kind of get into trouble uh not by any fault of their own almost uh and i think that it's such a uh fun uh i think it's a fun movie i had a great time watching this it's just because it has um maybe the greatest actor of the 90s uh cornholio i don't know if you're familiar with his work <laughs> but he was in uh he, you might remember him from uh, uh howard's end uh he lost to uh he was second running for uh my left foot but uh Lost to Daniel Day-Lewis with it. Uh, just tremendous work from Cornholio uh, in this movie, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's crazy how when uh, he uh, lost at the Oscars, he's the only person to stand up and go, fuck you guys, and walk out. It's crazy how he uh, how he fit those shoes. Uh, Chris, you've been, want, you've been sitting there with the, your tongue hanging out like a dog. What, do you, what would you like to say? I don't Oh, man. I'm, I'm just enjoying the show. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, just uh, – it's – um I think – I think my take on this, like I said earlier, it's like when they're off screen, you know, it's not a terribly interesting movie, but like, I think the point is kind of like, you have this very serious plot about, you know, very fittingly, I didn't even remember this as a plot point um, until I rewatched it about like a major bioweapon that has like a virus in it. Totally. Which very timely. Yeah. Like that's the whole like plot is like, they have some weapon that gets sewn into butthead's pants that someone stole. I don't really know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's like, you have this very serious plot of, like, very serious government people trying to chase down Beavis and Butthead, and then, like, you have the counterpoint of them just, like, being total idiots. So it's, like, the half of the movie where they're not in it is, like, not terribly entertaining, but, like, it serves kind of as good, you know, counterpoint it's, to yeah. them, like, being idiots. It's like, it's, like, the stakes are almost too high in that other part. Like, yeah. uh, it is this, like, kind of existential, like, spy plot almost, when really all you want to do is watch Beavis and Butthead go to the petrified petrified forest exhibit and laugh at all the different times they say wood like that's really the best best bit in the movie really like there's a lot there's a lot of like really solid i mean i'm not a giant fan of us and butthead the movie as much as i just like the show and characters like i I was kind of i was kind of sitting through it i i wanted to bring it on and rewatch it because i watched some youtube clips which were like in in clips and bits it's a really hilarious movie the whole movie is kind of a little bit slow um, but I just remember we're like, they're passing by all the signs on the road trip sure. and they have like AC and DC, <laughs> yeah. AC and DC playing. I'm mean, just laughing at all like the, you know, vaguely in, innuendo related, like, uh, road signs they pass on the road. And that's just like, it shouldn't be funny. And it probably isn't to a lot of people, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at that point just cause it's like, 
you know, this is like probably dumb jokes I'd make with my friends still at the ripe age of 25 sure. for one. Like, and I'm like, haha, we're being ironic. But like, at the same time, it's like, it's just really funny sometimes to watch views and butthead. Totally. And that, and that, and, dumb, that, you know and that mean? is the, that is the, that's why they have lasted weirdly enough is because the dumbness of their being does not die out in the nineties. It continues on and it sort of, uh, weirdly is elevated at times. And it is, uh, a silly situation that we keep seeing Beavis and butthead, uh, referenced in some way, whether it is in a negative or a positive connotation. I just want to quickly, because you were talking about the great actor Cornholio, uh, this is actually a weirdly stacked cast for a animated film called Beavis and Butthead yes. to America. Uh, Bruce Willis as Muddy Grimes, the uh, guy who pays them to go score. Demi Moore, Bruce Willis's wife at the time, right? They were together at that point. I believe they were married at that point. Yeah, yeah. they're currently quarantining together, even though they're not married, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> but uh, in some weird town uh, that's not L.A. As uh, Dallas Grimes, who is Muddy's uh, ex-wife or ex-wife or girlfriend, right? Some lover yeah. of some kind. Uh, fucking Cloris Leachman, the legend, as the old woman on the bus in the plane. Oh, best character. The best character. The fucking go. Uh, absolutely best character. Robert Stack, who you might not know by name, but was a like huge television actor uh, back in the yeah. day. He was like on this show called The Untouchables, and he also was in some Douglas Sirk movies, specifically Written in the Wind, uh, which is pretty amazing that they were able to get him to do a voice in Beavis and Butthead to do America. He was in Airplane too. Like he was definitely like he definitely at some point. This, I was looking at his IMDb earlier, and it definitely at some point he's like, "All right, pay me to show up in a recording booth. Like that's what I want to do right now. Like I was in airplane, I can just chill out for a little yeah, bit." He was, uh, but he's incredible in this movie. He I is as Agent Fleming, and then as some uncredited roles, Greg Kinnear is ATF Agent Bork, and David Letterman as the as the Motley Crew roadie Earl Hofert, which that is actually probably the funniest. Scene. I, I think that's the funniest scene in the movie when they're fucking oh, with at the, the fire. Yeah, with the fire. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That's, I think my favorite, my favorite scene is probably where, um, where Cloris Leachman's character, the old lady, um, Beavis meets her for the first time. And like, just when they're on the airplane and like, she's so oblivious to like what he's talking about. She's like, I, I feel very, very lowbrow for laughing at this, but like, she's talking about, I'm going to go to Vegas and play the sluts. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I hope there are a lot of sluts in Vegas. <laughs> it's, there, it's like. They're mutually oblivious. Yes, <laughs> yes. So funny. That's that. I think yeah. The roadie scene is great. That's up there too. I just I, I love the interplay between between um I love the interplay between uh the old lady and Beavis and then I but yeah I especially love with the roadies who are potentially their parents. Yep. Or I and I'm like how they argue about you know the logistics of the, the parentage of Beavis and Butthead is also great. Um, Noah, did you see who uh, that Chris? I love that scene too. Um, I think my favorite is that whole airport airplane um, s- scene. Uh, just because it's also very funny to see uh, just a uh, scene where some characters can storm a cockpit. Uh, <laughs> this is a very 1996 movie, and that definitely regard. a pre 9/11 uh, film. Yeah, Noah, did you? Um, 
see uh, who played the the bus driver. Yes, chef. Uh, that is a uh, very oh, very yeah. good filmmaker, Richard Linklater. Uh, Old Dicky Links uh, himself. I know it was crazy. And then I don't remember who he was, but also Eric Bogosian of Uncut Gems fame does a voice in this film as well. That's correct. Yeah, uh, Stagcast. Yeah, I think that it's like I just want to. Uh, my current favorite Letterboxd review for this movie is from um, webcomic cartoonist Branson Reese. Uh, and a four and a half star and heart review uh, that he logged, uh, he post logged for March 7th, 1998. He writes just one line, and that line is, Watch this at a sleepover, and it kicked ass. Which I think is like the appropriate energy Absolutely. for this movie. Absolutely. Oh, totally. This is, this is the movie that you throw on when mom and dad go to bed. You know, this is the late 90s version of throwing on, like, The Rocker or Step Brothers or, like, whatever. <laughs> the, Rocker. the Rocker. That's what I watched in a sleepover. That movie fucking sucks. <laughs> but uh, Is that the one with Rain Wilson? It is the one with Rain Wilson, yeah. Oh, man, I saw that in the middle of, like, I saw it in the middle of summer in, like, August because that's the kind of movie it was and, like, you know, it's it's just I don't even know if it's a sleepover movie. I would I would feel like yeah. pretty like wasted of my time. Like that's something you have to see in the dead of summer when there's like literally nothing else going on. You know what? I'm gonna this have to a... agree with you on that one because uh, that movie was crazy in a sleepover. I'm sorry, Mace, go for it. No, I was gonna say I don't can't recall a, a sleepover movie per se, but just one of the craziest uh, one of the experiences popping in my mind now is watching the movie Super Bad for the first sure. time. Oh yeah, and my friend Steve's um, birthday party would have been in like 2007 or 2008. He was like probably 13 or 14, and got like a pirated copy of Super Bad and had like half a dozen just like teenage boys in his basement watching super bad um which is the optimal way to watch that movie i think um what were some other uh i remember watching a lot of uh of course the simpsons it's it's sleepovers but that's the thing like this movie is like the optimal way to watch this movie is like on a vhs from your like older brother or something (laughs) totally as an as an only child here feel very slighted damn dude what are you gonna Um, do mason he just called you out (laughs) well i have a younger sister i'm just speaking from uh i'm using some sort of my imagination on this i i I had a dad who took me to see terminator so there you go when i was like eight so that's pretty lit that was that was really that was a lit experience that's very formative i'd say (laughs) the um (laughs) was this the was that t3 the christina walken one it was t3 that was that was also not a particularly great movie but it kind of looked cool t2 i will go to bat for like if i ever Oh, if, absolutely. Yeah, if you ever need me back on this podcast, like I will be happy to talk to you too. What a <laughs> what a fantastic film! We should just have a week where we just talk about movies that played on AMC and AMC exclusively. Because <laughs> oh, I'm oh. itching to talk about The Fugitive at some point. <laughs> we'll come. We'll bring you. We'll bring you yes. back for the uh, for the Dad Movie Marathon show. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, the uh, there's one more uh, Raj quote that I wanted to bring up, and so I'm just going to shoehorn it in, whether it makes sense to do it here or not. Uh, but uh, no, the, the other one, and I think that, that we can sort of tie this back into the whole culture and sort of why people uh, dislike, and I'm not saying disliked for like, oh, it, they just don't like it. I'm saying like vehemently like thought that this was like Satan's work, but uh his other his other quote toward the end of the uh review is beavis and butthead represent an extreme version of people we see around us every day and because the movie is radical and uncompromising 
having identified B&B as an extreme example of grunge, disaffection, and cheerfully embraced ignorance, the movie is uncompromising in its detestation of them. I make this point because it is widely but wrongly believed that Beavis and Butthead celebrates its characters and applauds their sublime lack of values, taste, and intelligence. I've never thought so. I believe Mike Judge would rather die than share a taxi to the airport with these characters. That, for him, B&B function like Dilbert's co-workers in the Scott Adams universe. They are a target for his anger against the rising tide of stupidity. Wow. Wait, who's, whose review is this? That's is this? Roger Ebert, baby. Wow. Old Raj. Wow. I know, and I think that he really hits the nail on the head when he does say that he believes that Mike judge and the creators and people in charge of Beavis and Butthead detest these characters, because if they really loved these characters, they would not (laughs) have them be speaking in the way that they do and having them (laughs) going around terrorizing people the way they do. It is so interesting that he was willing to put these characters out into the universe. It's very brave, honestly, in a lot of ways, to put out characters into the universe who are barely characters to begin with. They're, like, manifestations yeah. of, like, id and feeling, you know, like, the just the disaffected youth of that time period, which, unfortunately, it doesn't sound like any of us really were around to see it, like, in its, like, full conscious state. We were all, we babes are not even around yet in my case, but... Uh, it's just so interesting to think that this show made it on TV and not only made it on TV, like caused major problems because I feel like if this came out today, if it did come out today, there's just no way that anybody really has that big of a problem with it. I guess if it's the same thing, right. Do you feel me on that? Yeah, we've, we've crossed the Rubicon. I don't, I don't think, like, anyone's getting, like, too hot and bothered about Beavis and Butthead. I can't think of the last time, like, a major piece of media besides, like, what was it, the interview with James Franco? Yeah. Like, people actually got, like, pissed yeah. off about some sort of media. But, like, I mean, I, I think I, I've read, like, Wikipedia pages about the controversy of Beavis and Butthead, and people talk about, like, you know, how they blame people, like, dropping bowling balls off freeways, which that's pretty fucking hilarious, not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, um, <laughs> Yeah, um uh like lighting stuff on fire because you just go fire fire you know (laughs) arson kind of stuff really but it's like that yeah maybe maybe having your character like go around suggesting arson like i'll kind of give them that one but like the rest of the stuff is like there's but i also uh, think that it's like at some level like kids have always just been wanting to set shit on fire too you know like that's that's just like part of being like young you just want to watch stuff like you know beavis and butthead wasn't around when i was a kid and i wasn't watching stuff i think i can't remember that was saying actually like you know set shit on fire but i just wanted to set shit on fire because it was like cool to watch stuff like papers burn or 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 whatever um i also think that it's like you know you don't have these um these uh uh these kind of cultural targets anymore these kind of shared cultural targets just because i think culture is so atomized at this point and instead you have like fandom infighting where people are getting mad at each other's like au's and they're like otps or whatever damn Mason, uh, that's a crazy thing you that's know a what cra- i'm uh, who is who would you who do you ship beavis with Mason? uh i ship beavis with uh with captain america with uh oh. steve rogers no I think. but you can't a- do that because <laughs> i ship captain america with 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 the Hulk, you can't do that. <laughs> Who do you ship him with, Chris? 
I think I think Beavis and Butthead are my OTP. My my go. really super, yeah. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead is the perfect ode to male friendship. Like oh wow. Yeah, on a, on a, I like that. Because they're like they're talking about you know Roger Ebert. Like yes, everyone detests these characters and stuff like that. But it's like honestly, like so many friendships I have are very reflective of Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead's very reflective of like my unpretentious. I don't know about best self, but like honestly, like I mean, you know, like, like when you totally like when you get down to it, like what's like a, a pure dis, like distillation of male friendship than just like sitting on like a shitty couch in a living room and like giggling your ass off at tv like that's what we did chris basically like the yeah, couple, like, yeah. the couple times we hung out was just like watch succession just like, on my shitty couch like like they speak specifically to suburbia like you know the, the my favorite thing about like you know later high school and stuff when i made friends who like made more friends who lived in suburbia and i had a car and stuff it's just like i'd go drive and like meet and we'd like all hang around walk to like 7-eleven and stuff totally. and hang out in the neighborhood 100%. which is like yeah yeah it captures that experience you know a lot of those you know uh, sitcoms and animated stuff do that but i think it really gets to the heart of it of like how enjoyable it is just to do completely pointless stupid stuff and like that's not the point mike judge is making here but it's like whether it's intentional or not like it really captures that totally i think that the i think i, I think, think you're you, right you nailed yeah. it i think that the distillation as you said mason of just these two guys dicking around that's the, the what i that's what i love to do most with my friends is i just love to dick around that's what i'm doing right now with you guys is i am dicking around under the pretenses of talking yeah, about underrated we media we are in effect beavis <laughs> butt and head in all in all i mean i was gonna i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna point out that it's Roger Ebert had such a great appreciation for it because, like, that's all he did with Gene Siskel for like twenty-five years was sit in like, in, like a theater and watch TV, basically, or pretty movies, much, you yeah. Know, oh, yeah, and and talk about it, yeah. Well, do we have any uh, concluding thoughts on uh, Beavis and Butthead to America? Is there anything that we didn't get to talk about? Uh, just this one line that I wrote down that I want to share, which is from when um, Beavis and Butthead are taking in the uh, the natural splendor of the uh, the Grand Canyon. And I believe it's Beavis that says, uh, poop is coming out of the ass of the ass. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Just, just can't. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good one, guys. That's a good line. Uh, <laughs> I think that, that about wraps it up for me. Uh, conditional recommend for this one. Same thing as Sublime. It's very much like a... It's 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 like if you were a juvenile boy or interested in how juvenile boys think for whatever reason, I don't know why you would ever be if you weren't ever that point in your life. But just in case, this is it's just just it's that kind of um, it's that that's that it distilled. It is just um, it's also just an hour and 20 minutes. It's like you can watch it while you're doing your laundry. Basically, it's pretty easy breezy. You can just like walk away when the the plot kicks in and just come back for the beavis and butthead parts. It's a, it's a conditional recommendo for me. I yeah. Think. Like I said previously, this is a uh, do not recommend. Don't ever show this to anybody type of film. But if you are <laughs> able, I do think that if you are uh, sort of a uh, cultural anthropologist of sorts, uh, this would be an interesting sure. movie to watch uh, with Raj's uh, ideas in mind. And I do think that because somebody was able to pull what Roger Ebert did pull out of this movie it does have merit it is worth watching but if you're asking me noah marger co-host of the underrated music and movies pod it's on the list i cannot recommend this but chris do you recommend beavis and butthead do america i mean i mean in all honesty i recommend you go on youtube watch some clips yes uh see if you 
like this is this is not a movie you need to sit through. I was sitting through it again. I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just doing this so I can like talk about it for the podcast. Like, there are some supremely great moments, but like, I, I had watched like the three or five clips I remembered on YouTube coming into it, and then I watched the movie again. I'm like, I literally don't remember this part happening, um, and I gained nothing from watching it again. So I don't. I, I, I don't even know if I'd recommend this movie. Yes, I'm, we'll give an unabashed recommendation to. Uh, the show itself, if you can support it on Hulu or just, you know, find clips of, you know, Beavis and Butthead roasting, like, I don't know, 90s pop culture on YouTube, like, I think that's essential pop culture, like, cultural anthropology and stuff, like, this movie, I don't even think, I don't even know if the movie's essential, like, but you have to, like, do yourself the service of watching Beavis and Butthead clips on YouTube, and, like, you'll know if it's for you or not, but, like, I, my, my personal vibe on Beavis and Butthead, no, I don't really recommend the movie, wholeheartedly <laughs> really recommend the show, but, like, it's kind of like, if you want to be my lover, first you got to meet my friends or stuff like that. Well, I got two great friends Absolutely. named Beavis and Butthead. Wow. So Absolutely. I'd be happy for y'all to meet them. Ooh, wow. This, this is a literal... Really bring this to the fucking touchdown Dude, line. this is a first... It's the goal line, Mason. Come on. It's, uh, line. It is. This is a fucking first, and I'm so happy that I live to see the day this happens on the show, where the guest brings on a movie to the show, and then by the end of the show says, you know what? You don't even have to bother watching the movie. What a beautiful <laughs> thing to see on the pod. Thank uh, you, Chris. Bless up in the chat for Chris Collins. Chris. Keep it 100. Oh, uh, keep it. <laughs> Chris, I'm so happy that, uh, one, I got to see you again uh, through the digital the digital screen here, and two, that you were on the podcast. Thanks so much for being yeah, on, man. buddy. Oh, man, I have, I have been so supremely stoked to be here and talk about two of my favorite thing thank you all for having me yeah two of your favorite things though to be honest with you i wasn't gonna say anything but you didn't even seem that stoked with the sublime album if i'm being totally honest with you i like like my like my thing about the sublime album is just i really i i'm actually like very stoked on a lot of it it's just kind of like i don't think it's interesting to talk about how stoked i am on sublime because it's just like (laughs) it's just a good vibes fun out like what is there to say that's like why'd you bring it on jailhouse rips podcast dude that's crazy i love that though yeah that's a great like, <laughs> it's like I, I love the sublime album but like you know it's kind of like i enjoy it supremely but like i can't talk about that as much as i can talk about how goddamn ridiculous like the whole entity <laughs> like a white dude well, well thank you for turning this podcast lyrics. on it thank you for turning so, this podcast anyway, on anyway. um yeah. chris if you do you have anything you want to plug any socials that you want to plug any projects you'd like to plug um Man, I don't know if I, I want to plug my social, but uh, I should have a project or something. I feel like I should be creative. If you want to follow me, most of my socials are uh, Jewel Apatow, J-U-U-L underscore Apatow. It's a really dumb pun. That's my Twitter. That's my Insta. If you're cool enough to listen to this podcast and you've listened this far, you definitely deserve to like have access to my <laughs> social media. Uh, <laughs> Um, if I have any art I'd like to plug, I'll come back here and plug it. Thanks. Um, I'll plug, I'll plug, I'll plug the band Dogleg. Go listen to them. They're great. Go listen to the band Shell of a Shell. Buy their merch. Um, Where can we listen to albums them? that rip. What? Where can we listen You can them? listen to them on Spotify or whatever the fuck. Um, nice. and, uh, I'm plugging the new Fiona Apple album that's coming out tomorrow. I don't think she needs the help, but. Oh shit. That's rips, coming out tomorrow. Apparently. So I just, oh, I yeah. forgot okay, about Okay. I got that. something to do during work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I will put. You know what? Uh, as we did, I'm pretty sure with uh, Claire with Inverted Jenny, I will put both of those two bands into the. It's on the 
parentheses play close parentheses Whoa. list the Spotify list of all the music that we talked about on the show uh, so you can support them we'll put those in the show notes uh, but yeah so thanks again for being on the show uh, you can find us it's on the list on uh, twitter.com on it's on the list pod you know what? I'm gonna actually pull up my notes because I ha- can't remember the last time I fucking had to do this yeah it's on the list pod on twitter it's on underscore the list on instagram everybody wants to get on the list on facebook the number two on that one you can email us at everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com you can listen to my other podcast the bar and a podcast about the shield i can't remember if i've been diligent on plugging that but we are midway into season six now uh and it's a good time if you're not doing anything during quarantine i highly recommend starting the shield from the beginning and listening along with my podcast you can find me on letterboxd under my name you can find me on instagram at hot dog and you can also find me on instagram at good sky tonight uh if i have one thing a run recommendo for the show it would also be uh the movie never rarely sometimes always the eliza hitman movie uh that was supposed to come out uh, and is now being released on like kind of digital rental platforms. It's a pretty steep rental. It's like 20 bucks. I don't know if it's about that to buy it, but I saw it. I really liked it. It's very intense, um, very intimate. Uh, there's a really stunning sequence in the middle um, where kind of uh, you have a, a scene where just the char- the main character uh, says the, you know, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Um and uh, it's just absolutely remarkable. I loved it. My favorite movie of the year so far. Noah, where can the folks find you? And do you have anything else you want to recommend? Yes, Chef. Uh, you, the folks, can find me on Twitter at Moanarger and Letterboxd at Moanarger. The folks can also find me on Instagram at Noah.Marger, dot spelled out D-O-T, Noah.Marger. And if you would like to laugh a little bit, you can follow at YLG.World. That's a period, not the word dot spelled out like mine. YLG.World on Instagram. And you can follow us on Twitter at YLG World. Uh, you can watch the little videos that we do and you can subscribe to us on YouTube, YLG, uh, your local government comedy. Haha. Uh, that's all I'll plug for my socials, but I actually have four, count them, four other little recommendos four that I would like to plug today. Recommendos. You got it. First recommendo, friend of the pod, Alan Macchiarolo. You can follow him uh, on Instagram at Alan Eats Food. Every day during quarantine, for the most part, well, not every day, but for most days during quarantine, he's been doing a, I don't want to call it a show, but he's doing like a little album showcase for uh, something he's calling Alan's Psychedelic Breakfast, where he plays a record and eats breakfast, and he teaches you about the album and what he likes about the album. It's kind of like a little mini version of what we do on this show, but just with music. Hey, that's really cool. So I'll plug that, and then I'll also plug at Tumble Starker, who's doing a very similar thing. Uh, but there's no breakfast involved. Uh, I also want to recommend the buffalo chicken dip from Trader Joe's. Bought some of that today. Braved myself into the wild. Wore the mask. Got the chicken dip from Trader Joe's. And Baba Booey on that one, guys. And my last little recommendo <laughs> is, if you're not familiar with him already, go subscribe to All Gas No Breaks on YouTube and there's an interview with him on the Yeah But Still pod, which they don't need my recommendation on that. But 
it's a great interview. It's very interesting. I would recommend watching the videos before you listen to the interview so that you have an idea of what he does. Basically, he goes to fringe conventions and fringe places in America and interviews the people there, and things get crazy. So he's got a great interview uh, on Yeah But Still, which is a podcast with Jack Wagner and Brandon Wardell. Uh, highly recommend him. And apparently he says this on the uh, pod, so it's not really a spoiler, but I guess it is a spoiler. Uh, not really, but he is getting to develop a show with Tim and Eric, which is very, very cool that he was able to take his YouTube show very cool. and make it a reality with arguably two of the most amazing comedic minds of this generation, uh, at least in my opinion. So those are my four little recommendos. Normally I don't have that many recommendos, but there was a lot to talk about this week in media and music and movies and friends and Chris. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Bless up to you in the chat. We will have you back for that dad movie marathon show without a doubt when that inevitably happens, whenever that happens. Bless up, G. All right. Good night, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning. Whenever you're hearing this, have a good week. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. because I haven't had a chance to frame it yet, but one day I will, but I still have. The lasting power of this is just incredible. What is that, Mason? So uh, when I was, so at my going away party, Chris was very nice and he brought me a little gift bag. And one of the things in the gift bag was a Best of Warren Zevon CD. Wow. A card, yeah, that he had, because like when we met at this concert, uh, I mentioned that like I love Warren Zevon, and he's like, oh, like I think I have that like a best of CD in my car, and he just gave it to me. <laughs> but he also made he also made uh, this the number one boy award. Wow. This is my name, and you can see it signed, kind of Logan Roy. Oh my goodness. Competition is free, and then uh, fuck the fuck off. <laughs> Dude, talk about that on the podcast. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. You guys ever seen a Nardwar interview? Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like what I wanted to do, like as a bit for this, is be like come on and like give imaginary gifts for this podcast. <laughs> no, I hear you're a big Family Guy fan, so I got <laughs> You're Griffin. I got you a sex doll of Lois, which is what I know you. That's <laughs> what I want, bro. I want to fuck Lois. All right, but honestly, if if we're talking about milfs and cartoon lore, I want to fuck Marge. That's really what I want. Wow, that's incredible take. Yeah, I want, I want her to sit on my face. I think that I'm going to stop recording so the NSA doesn't <laughs> work around.